Welcome to the South Asian Studies at Stanford podcast, also known as the SAS pod. I am Lalita Duperon, Associate Director in the Center for South Asia. All our podcasts and information about the center are available at southasia.stanford.edu. Today I am joined by three students, former students, alumni of Stanford. I'm so excited to welcome you all and I'm going to just um, ask you to introduce yourselves. Sounds good. My name is Priya. I graduated Stanford in 2020, majored in computer science with a minor in South Asian studies. And on campus, some things that I was a part of are Bhangra, IPASA, and the Haas Center with public interest tech initiatives. Great. Welcome, Priya. Hi, um, my name is Muskan. I graduated in this summer, actually, in 2021. Um, yay. Uh, in political science, and I might double-minded in human rights and South Asian studies. Um, on campus, I was a part of South Asian society. Um, I did Stanford in government, worked for the Daily, and I also did a little bit of Model UN. Fantastic. You were busy, Muskan. And congratulations on graduating uh, just this summer. It was a hard final year. We'll get to that. Thank you. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Karunia. I'm a rising senior um, from the East Bay area. I study English at Stanford, and I also minor in South Asian studies. Um, on campus, I'm a part of South Asian society as well. I led it for a year or so. Uh, I also do work with the Leland Quarterly and um, other sort of literary mags on campus. Um, yeah. Welcome, welcome you all. So the one thing as our uh, as our intrepid listeners will have already noticed, the one thing these three guests have in common is that they minored in South Asian studies. And that's uh, really what I want to talk about today. So Priya, let's start with you. Um, you are um, perhaps the least of, of our three guests, of our three guests, the least likely to take that minor because your major was in computer science. Uh, and so that's a more kind of traditional track. How did you end up minoring in South Asia? I remember a friend mentioning that they were considering the minor and I didn't even know that it existed. And then this was like freshman spring finals week, right before we were about to go into summer. And I sent an email to the program director at the time being like, hi, I'm reevaluating my life right now. And I think maybe I should do a minor in South Asian studies. Like, what would that look like? And I was going to Bangalore for the summer at, uh, through an internship at Infosys. And so that was kind of how it began. And then I started taking classes and felt like it was a good compliment to my more STEM coursework. Did you reevaluate your life? Um, a bit. I feel like I came back from India and I was like, ready to embrace my culture. And I think uh, growing up, I was very like ashamed of it. And so that was a positive experience. Um, just explain your culture because we're do just doing audio. Oh, yes, people don't have the visual. <laughs> yes, I am South Asian and I grew up in just like a very white suburb. And so I feel like this minor was a way for me to kind of learn about my culture in like academic setting and then try to relate it to my own experiences. 
Fantastic. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. What about you, Muskan? Political so, science? Um, I was very confused when I got to Stanford. Um, so many people asked me, what are you going to study? And to different people, I played a game almost. I said political science to some people, international relations to others, computer science to others, because I honestly was confused. Um, by the time I was a sophomore, I took a class with um, Professor Ryan Perkins, who ended up being one of the people who I went back to a lot. Um, and it was, a, it was a class on the partition of India. I was raised in Kashmir with the Central Board of School Education. So I did know the history of India and the, the history of the partition, but I was now at Stanford learning from people who could not just look at literature from like India, but from different, different aspects of like understanding the partition. And that appealed to me, the fact that different voices from Britain, from India, Pakistan, and so on could come together and we could have a discussion about it. It was not something, it was not just a story we were being told. Mm. That's when I started thinking about the South Asian, the South Asian studies minor. And it was a game changer um, <laughs> because, because I think on campus, as Priya was mentioning as well, I think on campus, when you, you want to explore like who you are and how you fit in, um, and this minor to me was that story while like my political science and data science, like that majors helped me understand or think about the world in the larger context. My minor in South Asian studies was, was about me. And I think that's how I chose this. Oh, I have goosebumps. Thank you so much, Muskan. That's beautiful. Yeah, we are being, being applauded. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Karunya, what's your story? How did you uh, how did you end up doing English at Stanford? Yeah, I knew for a long time that like English and the humanities is what I wanted to do. Um, my uh, high school gave me a lot of support on that front, which was really lucky. And so have my parents, which was very lucky as well. Um, and uh, I, I actually grew up very different to Priya. I, I grew up in a very uh, South Asian um, community in the East Bay area. There's a lot of, it's a very like, high population of immigrants here. Um, and so I grew up around like the culture and I guess my, my heritage uh, was a very big part of my upbringing, um, even though I lived here for most of it in California. Um, and then when I got to campus, I realized uh, that that was what was sort of missing from, from my campus experience now being around a sort of much more diverse student, student body. Um, I didn't realize until freshman year really that living in a space that was uh, oriented towards my culture was actually pretty important to me just because I'd always been in that kind of space, um, which is kind of what brought me to the student organizations. Uh, first, uh, I, yeah, I found, I think, a really strong home in South Asian society, um, and I, I think I still do, and I, I, I love that organization a lot. And then um, slowly, it brought me closer to the academic sphere, and honestly, I would have majored in South Asian studies if that were an option. <laughs> um, I, I, I've loved every single class I've taken from there, and it just seemed like a natural step uh, forward, academically speaking. Um, and I honestly didn't expect to be interested in it the same way, the, the way that I have been, but I think it's been a real gift to meet like-minded people and also to study in a very serious way, the context um, that I grew up in. I think that's really important. Thank you so much. Um, you, you all mentioned that there are certain classes you took, uh, certain professors you worked with that you felt were inspiring or kind of showed you different ways of looking at your own 
culture. Now you are all uh, either from South Asia or have a strong family connection to South Asia. Uh, and many of the instructors at Stanford um, look like me. And so there is, to me, I'm very, very mindful of the kind of colonial implications of that setup. And uh, where I was before, it was much less poignant because most people were white. And so we were all just kind of figuring it out. Uh, but at Stanford, I'm extremely mindful of that dynamic. Um, and I really, I like to face it head on with the students, just really talk about it because otherwise it is uh, that proverbial um, elephant in the room. So I wanna ask you as well, what, what was that like being at Stanford and feeling that um, studying with people that weren't from South Asia or did not have that a family connection to South Asia was nevertheless, um, kind of opening your world or did it? How did that work out? Priya, let's just start with you. Yeah, I would say that at times it made me feel uncomfortable. I just didn't know how to like, uh, yeah, there's just like that, this conflicts in my head of like, well, this is my lived experience. And this is like mm -hmm. what you're reading out of, text, out of a textbook and, or like, this is my family's experience, whatever. And and I feel like all of my classes allowed us to really question it in productive ways and allowed us to talk about it. And I felt like my professors did a really great job of talking about who was writing the works that we were reading, what what made them go into India and write the like that beautiful, what is that book called? Behind the Beautiful Forevers or something. Oh yeah, 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 Catherine yeah. Booth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly, Catherine Booth. I remember like when I first saw that textbook on our uh, roster, just being like, what was this white woman doing like studying people <laughs> who live in these slums for like you know decade and uh, yeah Karina was in that class with me and I feel like we had really productive conversations so I feel like the the students and and when you avoid those topics like you were saying Lalita like you don't learn you don't you know you don't grow and so Yes, it can be uncomfortable, but like, let's sit with it and talk about it so that we can all learn from it. It's, it's great. What I'm hearing you say as well is that that particular professor, but perhaps your professors in general, were willing to have that conversation. There. And that's, uh, that's really uh, the, seems to be the way forward. Muskan, what was that like for you? Um, I, I agree with whatever Priya has said. And in my experience, I also got the opportunity to study at Oxford for a year which was actually going to be one quarter to begin with. But um, my tutorials, while they focused on tech policy, um, I always wanted to take them or drag the topic to India, um, specifically to Kashmir. And that was also a part of my capstone that Lalita was so kind to guide me on. But um, I, did, I, I think I picked up on more cues when I was in Oxford because um, I was being taught by people who looked like me in Oxford, whereas at Stanford, whoever I taught me um, was, was of a different ethnicity, more so white. Um, I do think the, like, the dynamic change there, I think um, I would feel a little more comfortable sharing ideas at Oxford because of, because of how similar we looked. Mm -hmm. And also I feel like um, to, the, to give credit to the professors at Stanford, I felt like they would always like step back and say, you tell me how you feel about it before, like launching into something, even though they've had like 
I don't know, my, like, as long as I've lived that, that amount of time in explaining and studying the subject matter. So um, it was two different ways of looking at the topic, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, super. Thank you. Karunia, do you want to add to that at all? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with what's been said. Um, and I think something that's interesting about sort of South Asia classes at Stanford that I've noticed at least is the classes tend to be, first, uh, first of all, very small, and second of all, generally populated by students who are also South Asian. Um, and that, for me personally, is something, is a dynamic that I've really enjoyed because in the English department, it tends to be pretty, like, not only is the subject matter very Western focused, um, but so are the demographics of the students that I sit in classrooms with. And of course, while there's nothing wrong with that, it's always so refreshing to sort of later in the day walk into a classroom full of people with whom I share some sort of implicit understanding and I think that's something that throughout my undergraduate career I've really grown to value um, not only in like the academic space but also of course in the personal space as well um, and I think it I think because of that shared understanding within the classroom we are encouraged to have conversations that are a little difficult about sort of you know our own assumptions as people who are South Asian and also the assumptions of maybe the writers that we're reading or even the professors that are teaching us um, and I think that um, across the board, sort of overall, I've had a pretty positive experience in, in terms of, you know, questioning those um, sort of givens or, or those ideas that we uh, come into classrooms with. So, so yeah, I think overall, like to have that balance and that diversity, um, both within and without the classroom has been incredibly important for the way I've grown to understand, understand, like where I come from and the heritage that I will eventually be passing on as well. Thank you so much. I wonder, <clears throat> I wonder, um, so when your teacher is not uh, South Asian, then, then that becomes an identity marker for the students. But we all know that within South Asia, there are a, a gazillion identities as well. And some of these power dynamics or some of the power dynamics within that um, are obviously playing out at Stanford as well. How did that play out in your classes? That is such a difficult question, Lolita. I, I always have to get one difficult question. I'm sorry, this is the one. It'll be, it'll be smooth after this, but I do really want to know. I, I want to say, um, I think it was sophomore year, um, when, when my sophomore year, so that's um, 2019, when, Lolita, am I right? That's when you joined? Yeah, correct. And we met at Cooper. Um, yeah. And she was wearing, sorry, these are too many details, but she was wearing like a Fab India scarf. And I had just grown into my understanding of, you know, I do want to do a South Asian studies minor, but what does it mean? Like, what are the classes I'll be taking? What are the, what are these people going to say? And Lalita says to me, you can say anything you want here. And she goes, yeah, you know, like a lot of the, uh, a lot of the political, politically accurate things, let's just leave it there, politically accurate things about judging and understanding how the politics is playing in the subcontinent right now. And that was the first time I could actually say to myself, you know, whatever I, because I come from Kashmir, it's the complicated part of the world. I could say to myself, whatever I feel and I think, and that makes sense in my head, if nothing else, at least here on this campus, in those classes, I can say those things. And I think that's, that's how it's been. That's that's incredible. And do you feel my Fab India scarf kind of kind of made that possible for you? <laughs> I, I, I wear that scarf so. more. 
I think so. I think so. They they should definitely sponsor you. I agree. Thank you. I like that. That's a great suggestion. Priya. I remember going to an Asada protest at the Embassy of India and seeing Walitha, your son, and Usha. And I was like, wow, the faculty of Stanford are so woke and they're willing to like give up their power and they're willing to put themselves in positions that are like not always safe and not always, yeah. Like, I, I think that's amazing. I think that speaks volumes. Thank you so much. Yeah, I remember um, telling my son, it's Sunday morning, we're going down to San Francisco. And he's like, oh, fun, what are we doing? I'm like, we're going to protest outside the Indian embassy. <laughs> and he's like, oh, not that again. He's been to a gazillion protests. You know, what are we protesting today, mom? <laughs> also, we did have a pretty pro protesty um, panel on campus, Lalita, like shortly after you came, which was organized by South Asian Society. We had kind of a protest outside of the panel. The hour and a half was was quite a lot. Uh, that was uh, that was intense. Uh, we we might get to that, but yes, there was a uh, shortly after I joined Stanford, there was a panel on Kashmir, and um, not everybody in the uh, wider community was uh, excited about that panel. And and uh, because of the beauty of our democracy, they felt free to let their voices be heard, and uh, it was an interesting evening, shall we say. Karuni, how do you feel? Because you're still a student. How do you feel that the um, uh, the kind of politics of, of intra-South Asian identities play out at Stanford? Yeah, honestly, like when you first asked that question, my instinctive answer was like, I don't know if they do very often, or at least not in my circles, which I think I, I guess I've been lucky. Um, but I know sort of speaking from uh, the standpoint of a student um, who's taken a lot of classes with like uh, grad students who are South Asian, who teach in South Asia. I think um, one of the best classes I've ever taken at Stanford was um, a, a history class about South Asian Americans in the US, which is um, as a South Asian American who's grown up in America is like super important to me. Um, and I remember like one of the best parts of that class was like, of course, like we got to learn about the historical context of where this very specific demographic group comes from. But more than that, we got to talk a lot about our own lives. Like it was kind of like a therapy session, like every week, twice, which was so much fun because it was just a group of us who have never really gotten a chance to talk about the way both the South Asian and the American identities play out in an academic way. And uh, even though it was like, you know, over Zoom and, and all that stuff, and I've never really seen these guys in person, it was such an intimate, very like, yeah, very like cathartic environment to be part of. And so I think sort of in the academic sphere, the sort of um, the the facets of, of you know South Asian ness, I guess that a lot that a lot of uh, lecturers and professors and students have. I think it, people are just encouraging to sort of to talk about that stuff, to talk about the differences, and to talk about um, I don't know how it all how it all plays out in our daily lives. So I think as a student, I've only really ever witnessed the sort of the supportive. Um, facet to the whole thing, of course, maybe with the uh, slight exception of the Kashmir panel that Muskan was just talking about, um, that I also remember. Uh, but yeah, and I think sort of amongst the student body as well, there's like, uh, there's a lot of encouraging um, diverse conversations to take place, even if it's just like around the dinner table and stuff like that. And that's honestly something I really, really value about, you know, not only attending uh, classes at Stanford, but just living there and being in that environment. 
Great, great. Thank you so much. Um, you've all mentioned the South Asia Society, so I want to hear more about that. I think, Muskan, you were president when I joined, is that right? Uh, so tell us about the South Asia Society. Um, it was called Sanskriti before um, I started leading it. And although there had been discussions about changing the name, once we spent four hours discussing what can be the best name, and then we resorted to going back to Sanskriti because we couldn't think of that name. That was a year before. So that was my freshman year. And uh, by sophomore year, one of the things I wanted to do um, is make it a, an atmosphere and an organization that is open to everybody from all of South Asia. Um, the other thing we did, and I was just thinking about your question, your previous question, Lalita, that is one of my favorite memories from Stanford was the South Asian Arts Night. This would be like an open mic where friends and friends from different parts of South Asia with different identities could come and just, you know, dance if they wanted to, sing if they wanted to, rap if they wanted to, poetry and all of that. And I think I learned a lot about how diverse that region is from there. Um, so for me, South Asian society was a diverse group of people from South Asia who share, who look like me sometimes, mostly, but had just opened different doors all the time, like whenever I sat with them. Um, that's how it's been for me. And so it's a student org, right? Anybody who's a student on campus can join. Is that how it works? That is correct. Anybody who is a student at Stanford can join, uh, whether you're an undergrad, graduate, or a graduate student. Um, they have meetings every once in a week, and there are like academic panels, there are like daisy parties, there are there are chai sessions. We do events with South Asian, um, South, with South with Center for South Asia as well. Um, along with centers like the markers and so on. So we're just trying to like take or be present in spaces that the university has designated to us um, and trying to just show that South Asia is not just one sort of people. It's not, not just people from you know, India, it's also people from Pakistan and Bangladesh and Bhutan and Myanmar and so on. So, yeah, it's a student organization that does pretty cool stuff on campus. It is. You are also active in it. And I'm, And then just hearing in the introductions what else you are all doing on campus is, is just uh, incredible. And, it, you know, I say things like, oh, I'm so busy. And then I hear you and I'm like, OK, I, I should do more. I should do more. Karunya, were you um, part of the leadership last year? And are you going to be again this coming year? Yeah, I was last year. So I took up the mantle after Muskan left. Um, so I've been in like a leadership role since pretty much the end of my freshman year. Uh, I did like financial stuff first and, that, and then I was president. Um, and honestly, I consider this organization my baby. I think it's one of the most supportive communities I've ever been in before. And I think what was really spectacular about it, you know, uh, aside from uh, and including, I guess, you know, all the events that Muskan just mentioned that we do that all of us love. And uh, it's, you know, it's always a very like intimate, like interested community to be part of. 
Um, I think what I've really been floored by this past year since it was all over Zoom is just seeing how much like all the freshmen showed up. I don't think we've ever had a cohort of freshmen as big as we've had this year, which is insane to say because it was all virtual. Um, and now actually this summer, a lot of them are back on campus and they're meeting up for the first time in real life. And these people are all, they've become like each other's closest friends like online through this community. And honestly, it's like, that excites me so much to have been sort of like at the at the helm of this operation as the stuff is going on. I think, and honestly, that was that was very very humbling. And I've found my closest friends through South Asian Society, um, and I just think it's like, it's it's such a good group of people who are just very interested in learning about each other and and talking about our identities and stuff. And so honestly, yeah, would not trade that experience for the world. It's such a fun place to be. And even though I won't be part of leadership next year, I will definitely be very involved and will host all sorts of events now that we're going to be back, hopefully in person. So um, yeah, keep a lookout for that. We certainly will. Uh, Karunia, if students are listening and want to join South Asian Society or learn more about it, where do they go? You can visit our website or our Facebook page. And over there, there's like a lot of, um, you know, there's ways to contact uh, leadership and stuff. My email and stuff is on there. So yeah, our Facebook page is just Stanford South Asian Society. Just shoot us a text on there and we'll get you involved. Um, it's a great community. You will not regret joining. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, I Let's go back to academics for a bit. And I want to ask you all, uh, what was your favorite class that you took for the minor? Uh, so I'm going to give you a second to think about it and just explain to our audience that um, lots, of, lots of different classes qualify for the minor. Some are very obvious. So, you know, history of South Asia or South Asia, the diaspora or um, anything that has 100 percent South Asia content is obviously going to qualify for the minor. Uh, but we also take a very long view as to what um, constitutes South Asia. Um, and so classes on Islam or Buddhism uh, may well count towards the minor, uh, especially if you end up writing a particular project around South Asia. Uh, and so if you are considering the South Asia minor, don't feel that you might not want to take all these particular South Asia classes, because I like to be very broad into how we conceptualize South Asia and also how we can understand what's happening in South Asia. Okay, so that's my spiel. Uh, now over to you. Karuni, let's start with you. Favorite South Asia minor class? Yeah, oh, that's so hard. I've taken so many good ones. I, I, I mentioned this one earlier, actually, the, um, the South Asian American history class that was taught by a lecturer named Madiha Akhtar. And she's one of the best lecturers I've ever worked with. Uh, she's so much fun to be around. Um, so yeah, I would say that was my favorite one for sure. But I think what was cool about it uh, is like, it was, it was it was very like, you know, American history focused, which I didn't expect to really enjoy, but because there was like, you know, a very strong prioritization of like a specific ethnic group within America, it just made it so much more enjoyable. It wasn't anything like AP US history like I did in high school, um, which, you know, I loved that. Um, yeah, so that was definitely, I would say by far uh, my favorite class that I've taken, maybe, maybe at Stanford overall, actually. Fantastic. Wow, that's that's uh, uh, that's some write up you gave Madia, who's um, sadly for us, I guess, graduated her PhD program and will be um, moving on. Muskan. For me, I think uh, my favorite class was Sufism. So it was a very tiny class um, again in my sophomore year. I think there were three students in the class and there was a visiting professor. Um, and she just explained for the first couple of weeks what the concept of Sufism is. 
and because it's a philosophy that goes in different like regions and on different parts of the world she let us pick a region and i picked south asia um and i did not know even though i lived in kashmir i was raised in kashmir i did not know like so much about my own sort of how i pray and how does that match sufism and how does that contribute to my own beliefs and the way i the way i live my life the way i think also um it was just amazing the fact that i could explore something that means so much to me um uh, in an academic way i just never expected i could do anything like that that's fantastic and that is so what the what the um what the academy should be um also karunya to your earlier point about um that particular class being like therapy i feel that is good education should be like therapy that's <laughs> That's a great definition. Priya, favorite class? Okay, I have two. One okay. is Art Cinema of India, taught by Dr. Usha Iyer, which was just incredible. And I ended up writing my final paper on like documentaries about Bharatanatyam dancers. And I was classically trained in Bharatanatyam. And Dr. Iyer like connected me to someone who had actually created a documentary for one of these dancers. So I was like going back and forth in email with him to help write my paper. It was just like a really positive experience. And now I feel like I can't watch movies the same. Like we were able to pay attention to so much detail and the music, the lighting, a lot of really cool stuff. And then my second favorite class going to yeah just building off of good education being therapy was an American studies class on Asian American memoir writing mm-hmm. taught by Changrai Lee and that was incredible also we were just like sharing these like really intimate stories and reading each other's work and workshopping it together and i think that was the first time at Stanford that i just felt this like pan Asian American and Asian solidarity and we all had we're like making connections and relating to one another in really powerful ways. Um I want to ask you what you're doing now or what your plans are and of course I want you to tell me uh to what extent the South Asian minor helped you get where you are now or helped you kind of formulate uh what you might want to be doing in the future. Uh, so Priya as you are an alumna let's start with you. Okay, I just started a new job a month ago and it's at a worker-owned co-op and we're building technology for leftist political candidates, unions and organizations. And I'm mostly doing coding plus some like design and product stuff. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. That sounds like the kind of job anybody that's doing computer science but who also wants to be um kind of politically engaged and maybe has a passion for social justice wants to do. Is that is this is the dream job? It is a dream job and it's only 8 people so I feel like I have a, a say in like how our company will grow which is cool. Wow. It's amazing. Um did this I mean I don't know this is very obvious if the South Asia minor helped you at all get there helped you kind of shape your thinking around what you wanted to do. I definitely like I I'm a terrible writer and any like any strength that I have in writing is due to my minor classes and so i feel like even in just my cover letter or the way that i'm able to like articulate my thoughts or in because it's a co-op there's a lot of like consensus and everyone's like voting and so when i want to like you know share my ideas i feel like the minor just really helped with my like because computer science didn't teach me that you know yes <laughs> how to like articulate my thoughts sure. yeah shout out for the humanities yes <laughs> 
Nothing against, no shade on computer science, but yes, humanities, here we go. Muskan, what are you up to now that you've graduated? So as, I'm not going to give you the huge title, but as part of my minor, um, I basically studied or as part of my minor for South Asian studies, because I do minor. So as part of the minor, the capstone, I, um, I, studied, I studied the AI, basically misinformation in India and how does that impact policy on a global level? Um, and that's those are the questions I've been thinking about. So um, I'm very interested in AI and tech policy, um, in things like privacy, misinformation, human rights, um, civil movements, and so on. Mm -hmm. So I am now pursuing my master's uh, at LSC um, in AI policy, and very excited. So I, I begin my journey this fall. I'm very excited for it. It's, it's amazing. As a, um, a graduate of SOAS, which is just around the corner, I'm just so thrilled that you're going to be at the LSE. And Karuni, it might be too early for you to, uh, to know what you want to do, but, but if you could have it your way, what would it look like? Yeah, thankfully, it is too early for me. Honestly, it's, it's super cool to hear you guys doing really cool things, though. Um, but I am so as a as a rising senior, I'm currently planning for my English honors thesis. Uh, and I am going to be writing uh, a really, really long paper next year on uh, contemporary South Asian American fiction, uh, like YA fiction, which I'm psyched for. This is the kind of like, these are the books I love the most. I, they're just like fun and cheesy and romantic. Um, and yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm psyched to spend like a whole year writing about that. Um, and, you know, afterwards, who knows, maybe I will also go on to pursue a master's. I don't know if it's going to be related in any way, but thankfully I have a whole year to figure that out. Um, for now, I'm just looking forward to reading some like fun romance novels and, and writing like serious theses uh, about them. Uh, I think it's going to be a really exciting senior year. That sounds so good. The, uh, the, the joy of reading what you want to read and then making that count for your academic credit is just so great. And um, I'm glad you're going to have the opportunity to do that, Karunya. Um, as we're looking towards wrapping up, I want to thank you for uh, joining me. This has been, I, I feel like we could talk forever, but we're also at a kind of a, a neat um, uh, kind of linear ending of what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, final thoughts, words of wisdom, things that you wish you'd known when you joined Stanford. Uh, if, you, if you had some advice for your own 18 or 19 year old self, what would it be? Um, Priya, let's start with you again. I felt like in computer science, a lot of just like pressure around where you work, where you intern, like is just kind of like a rat race. And so I feel like I would tell myself that no job is perfect. Like it just doesn't exist. And like, it just and it's okay to optimize for different things at different points in your life. Like out of college, you want to optimize in this and go for that. Another point, you're ready for this. That's yeah. great advice. I just on the plane, I watched a, I don't know if it's a sitcom or a comedy or <laughs> profoundly depressing uh, drama. I don't know. It's called Silicon Valley. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but <laughs> I imagine it's truer than we would like to think it is. Um, so yeah, uh, very good advice there, Priya. Muskan. Um, I would just say spend as much time as you can with people. I think at Stanford, we tend to prioritize classes and exams, and that is important. But when I look back, um, my best moments were when I was being true to who I am, whether my body said, I don't want to study right now, and I just want to have Maggie with my friends and doing that, 
or it meant I want to go for a walk and walking all across campus. Um, just know that when you're done with Stanford, more than the degree, what matters is the relationships that you've made. So reach out to people um, and spend the best time because these are the best four years. Definitely. Yeah. Be true to who you are. I love that. Karunia, are you being true to who you are at Stanford? I really hope so. Um, <laughs> well, I second everything that's been said, of course. Um, but also, I think something I would definitely encourage sort of incoming students to look at is like, I think I took for, uh, I, I didn't really believe the idea that Stanford has resources for pretty much anything you want to do, just because, especially because the humanities departments are so small. Um, but honestly, uh, I would encourage people who are interested in studying maybe different regions of the world to first of all check out like the comparative studies and ethnicity program. I did not know that existed for most of my Stanford career, which is honestly such a bummer because I definitely would have studied it more. Um, and also, of course, like all of these regional minors are great ways to to get in like really deeply invested into a part of the world that you care about that maybe Stanford doesn't prioritize. Um, and yeah, like talk to professors, like don't be afraid. That's something I was always sort of nervous to do, but I would say at this point in my Stanford career, I've made like good friends who are lecturers and professors which I never thought I'd be able to say. Um, so yeah, like I, I know everyone says this, but honestly taking initiative really does pay off in, in these sort of small ways, uh, like, you know, shooting for what you want. And yeah, like spending time with people who are important to you. That's that's like number one priority, I think throughout. And I think for my last year, that's definitely gonna be my, my main priority, um, especially having lost so much of my Stanford experience because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like everything that's been said, I second it. And yeah, just, you know, take initiative, have fun, go fountain hopping, that's all important stuff. Thank you so much. Well, I want to thank um, our alumni and current students and recently graduated students for joining me. We are recording on a Saturday afternoon because that's the only time we could find where we're all free. Um, and so we will um, drop this podcast and uh, add some links uh, for people to find out some of the things that we all talked about. And I just want to thank you so much. I also want to thank Soham Shiva for creating the intro and the outro, and as always, um, Simrat Mataran for doing post-production. Thank you for listening to the SASPod, the South Asian Studies at Stanford podcast. Find out all about the Stanford Center for South Asia at southasia.stanford.edu and find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you can tune in again soon.